I feel like Jesus is going to do something good this morning. I'm honored to be here. I will be very mindful of your time. And a friend of mine said, Brother Betts, you say that a lot. And uh, you are mindful as the time slips away. So I will be mindful as our time slips away. It is an honor to be here. I want to give honor to Bishop Wilson, all the executive council. I love these men, respect these men. Thank God that we are blessed with apostolic leaders, not politicians. Thank God for apostolic leaders. Hasn't this meeting been unbelievable? Every preacher up till this point has done absolutely awesome. Brother, I, I, before God, I mean this. I believe it's wrong to tell an untruth in the pulpit or out of the pulpit. You could have kept on preaching for me. That was awesome. Absolutely awesome. All the preachers that are here this morning, I honor you. I have many, many friends here. I have the privilege of preaching for you. I love you, respect you, your wife, your children, all the great saints of God. I brought my fan club this morning. When you preach somewhere you've never preached before, you never know how it's all going to turn out. So I brought my fan club, my wife, Aubrey and Houston, my children, they are my biggest fan club. I have the smallest fan club in the world, but I have the best fan club in the world. Amen. My wife has been faithful to me, walking beside me for 28 years almost. We have walked through home missions, evangelizing, assisting and then evangelizing again for the last eight years. I love her more than she will ever know. And my children, very, very proud of my children. I hope that doesn't offend you, but I'm proud of the way they live. I'm very proud of their commitment to God. I'm very proud of their prayer life, and I'm proud of the way they look and act. I love my children. Uh, I'm fixing to give you my text. I want to give honor this morning to a man that uh, I believe is the greatest preacher, teacher, pastor, leader in the apostolic movement. I asked uh, my brother if he would turn off Holy Ghost Radio for just a moment uh, before we get in the Word. Uh, some of you know this, of course, because uh, preaching for you, but I was uh, three years old when my father left my mother and uh, left my mother single parent to raise two boys. And we moved from where we were living to a little town called Hillsboro, North Carolina. And uh, Pastor Godair, Sister Godair, came to Durham. I know you know this. They came to Durham, North Carolina, uh, almost 42 years ago, over 42 years ago, 1973. And they started... Uh, they started doing then what he's still preaching now. He is just a few days older than he was then, and, but he is still preaching evangelism, still preaching reach, reach, reach. And when you reach, reach with a message. And they started a bus route. Uh, he had been there for about seven years when that bus route 
picked up an 11-year-old boy. And in fact, I just drove, had the opportunity to drive by that trailer park. Uh, I'm what you would call trailer white trash, trailer park trash. That really is true. I'm not being humble. That's the truth. But God sent a man uh, to a community where I could hear the gospel. And I cannot say a whole lot more because I'll get emotional. But I love you, Bishop. Love you very much. Honor you. God bless you. I want to be quick today. Um, Brother Prado and I, I think I saw him. Wave your hand, Brother Prado. You and I have never officially met. Never. We've never said over three words to one another. uh, Just simply because our paths have not crossed. And uh, please... In the affirmative, have you and I talked about what we would preach at this meeting? No, sir. If you didn't hear him, he said, no, sir. I said that to tell you this. I got Bishop Wilson's letter in February asking me to preach today. And this has happened to me four or five times in my ministry. When I opened the letter, the Holy Ghost spoke to me and said, I want you to preach this message. A message that I have never preached in my life. And I was sitting back here last night and Brother Prado said, My text will come from Psalms 118. And I turned to my wife and I said, Oh Jesus, he's reading from the chapter I'm reading from. Then when he said verse 5, I said, Oh, help me Jesus. He's reading from the verse. That the Holy Ghost told me to read from in February. So I only said that to tell you this. I did not get this message last night. It was good. I can't compare to it. But I'm just going to be myself. And do what God told me to do. Is that alright? Alright. Psalms 118. Psalms 118. Brother Erskine. I love you. He is my friend. There is nobody on this earth like Brother Erskine. That is a compliment. Yeah, he and I both said, thank you, Jesus. But I really love Brother Erskine. He, uh, he and his wife um, started a church in North Carolina. And if you've never ever, if you're a minister and you never had the privilege of going there preaching for him, I've never seen that church. It is one of the greatest churches I have ever preached in. And I mean that. I'm not just saying that. In fact, I had the privilege of being there Sunday. And they have a tremendous church. And I love Brother Erskine and Sister Erskine so much. Psalms 118. I'm going to add a few verses to what we heard last night. Let's begin with verse 1. Psalms 118 and verse 1. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. Because his mercy endureth forever. Let Israel now say that his mercy endureth forever. Let the house of Aaron now say that his mercy endureth forever. Let them now 
that fear the Lord say that his mercy endureth forever. I call upon the Lord in distress. The Lord answered me and set me in a large place. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear what man can do unto me. When I received the letter, I did not, was not aware that today was Home Missions Day. Brother Erskine has uh, let me know recently that this is a focus day for home missions. I will preach to home missionaries, but I will obey the Lord and preach to everybody. Is that all right? I'm glad both of you agree. What about the rest of you? Is that all right? Can I just do what he said? All right. Set your Bibles down. Clap your hands one more time like thunder. Clap your hands like thunder for what the Holy Ghost is about to do. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. I want to preach as quick as I can this morning on the subject when you can't touch your enemy you can touch your God when you can't touch your enemy you can touch your God you may be seated there are two schools of thought on this psalm that we have read from. I've studied it quite extensively. Some say that David penned this psalm while he was on the run from Saul. While he was literally running for his life. Others say that David had already attained the kingdom. He had already arrived at the place that God had destined him for and he was looking back in a thanksgiving spirit unto God for what he had done. Either way, it doesn't matter. We know the story and I believe that the Holy Ghost is going to help us today to draw strength, insight, and help from these words. David, personally, I believe that this psalm was written while David was on the run. Verse 6, David said, The Lord is on my side. Present tense. The Lord is on my side. I am thankful today that we do not have a God that is a far off deity We do not have a God when we call on him. We receive a busy signal. We never go to the throne of God and see a sign that says out for a while. But we call on a God that is a very present 
help. A very present help. This psalm is one of encouragement. Now, let me just lay a little foundation here. David, whether it was present or past, David encourages people to join him in this faithful song unto God. For David feels the liberty to speak for the whole nation when he said, may Israel now say, let the priest, the house of, uh, of Aaron now say, then in verse four, he said, let everybody that fears the Lord now say, priest and people, Jew and proselyte must join in thanksgiving unto God. I think that is one reason when we come to the house of God, we should never be controlled by how we feel presently. We should never let our worship, our praise, our passion for God be controlled by what is going on presently. Everybody can look back and say the Lord has been good to me. Everybody can look back and say, look where God brought me from. Look what God has done in my life. Now, I want to show you today David's predicament and David's problem. David was anointed and David was appointed. David was anointed to be the king and he was appointed to sit on a throne and he would possess it. Praise God. I want to tell you today that the apostolic church has not been appointed to defeat. We have not been appointed to struggle all of our ministry or struggle all of our lives Hallelujah. We may be in a process right now where we are between the anointing and the appointing. Your job is not to take over the throne. Your job is to be faithful to the God that called you. And in time, God will do what he said he would do. I want you to notice that the reason David became a target was because, don't miss this now, David became a target because of his anointing and his promise to elevation. Samuel had anointed David to be the king over Israel. God had promised him that one day you will be elevated. You will not always be where you are now. Somebody help me this morning. I don't believe that I'm going to be preaching to a bunch of home missionaries that you're going to stay where you are right now. You're going to stay where you are presently right now. I don't believe that I'm going to preach to a bunch of saints of God that you're always going to stay under it. You're not always going to stay depressed. You're not always going to stay oppressed. But there is an anointing on us and there is a promise of elevation on us. Did not our God say, I'll make you the head and not the tail? 
Did not God say, I'll bless you in the city? I'll bless you in the country? I'll bless you in the house? I'll bless you in the field? I'm preaching to a bunch of blessed people today. It doesn't matter how it looks right now. It doesn't matter what you're facing right now. You are anointed and there is a promise of elevation for you. Somebody clap your hands and shout hallelujah. I said this church is not a defeated church. We are not a backslid church. We are not a church that is depressed. We are not a church that is oppressed. There are times when spirits come against us, but we are the favored of God. We are the blessed of God. I'm gonna preach to somebody today that the Trinitarian doctrine is not blessed of God, but this apostolic doctrine is blessed of God, and God's gonna Elevate his church. You need to understand why you are a target. Because you are anointed preacher. You are anointed preacher's wife. You are anointed saint of God. You are anointed Sunday school teacher. Hallelujah. You are anointed bus driver. You are anointed altar worker. I'm starting to feel liberty now. You are anointed to do the will of God. You do not just feel a position. You are anointed for that position. If you are a home missionary, you are anointed to be a home missionary. If you are a God-called evangelist, you are anointed to be a God-called evangelist. If you are a pastor God-called, you are God-called and you are anointed of God. And I am not trying to pump you up. I'm going to preach what the Holy Ghost told me. There is a promise of elevation come on missionary don't look at where you are right now keep your eyes on the throne keep your eyes on revival keep your eyes on a move of the Holy Ghost oh clap your hands and shout hallelujah In 1 Samuel chapter 18, the Bible teaches a story. I know that I'm preaching to a bunch of apostolics, so I won't bog down in time. You know the story. Saul began to pursue David to destroy him. Now, don't forget, Saul began to pursue him because he was anointed and appointed. And I'm telling you, I felt so deep in the Holy Ghost and God has not released me from it. There's a bunch of people in Pigeon Forge that feel like something has been pursuing you. Yeah, you feel like something is on your trail. You feel like something is going to overtake you. Mm. 
You feel like there's a spirit out to get you. You feel like there is a spirit of destruction that is out to get you. I want to tell you, verse 15 describes of 1 Samuel 18. It describes David's dilemma. For the Bible said Saul eyed him, for he was afraid of him. Just want to make sure you're still with me. You know why the devil's after you? Because he's afraid of you. I, when I, Brother Erskine mentioned, we started a church 22 years ago. And I was only 22 years old. And I, I couldn't figure it out when, when we started our little church. Why in the name of God? Can, can, I, can I just preach? Oh, uh, I was going to anyway. I just want to make sure. Can I? I wondered why, in the name of God, all the big Trinitarian churches would would be so against a little twenty-two-year-old preacher starting in an old ABC store. So help me God, I'm not just using this pulpit to make a big story. It's true. They got on the radio and called the name of our church. And said, don't go to that church because they run around. This is what the man said. The biggest church in our town, one of them. He said, they run around on that, in that church and they talk in tongues and they act like a bunch of chickens with their head cut off. I wouldn't go to that church. He said on the radio. And here we have, we didn't have anybody coming. You know why? Oh, Jesus. You know why they fight you? They're afraid of you. They're afraid of what you preach because their message doesn't change anybody. But he's already preached it, but I got to do it one more time. Acts 2.38 can change everybody. He wants to depress you. He wants to oppress you. He wants to destroy you because he's afraid of what you'll do with a Bible study under your arm. He's afraid of what you'll do, Brother Riley, when you buy a couple of buses. You might pick up a future evangelist. You might pick up a future preacher. He's afraid of a revival that's going to break out of this house. Somebody clap your hands and shout. Clap your hands and shout. afraid of me but I ain't backing up I ain't gonna sit down I ain't gonna shut up I'm gonna keep on keep on I'm gonna keep on preaching I'm gonna keep on singing I'm gonna keep on shouting I'm gonna keep on reaching for souls I'm not quitting forbidden to touch his enemy see I'm preaching when you can't touch your enemy you can touch your God 
David was forbidden to touch his enemy because the Bible, God said, touch not mine anointed, do my prophets no harm. And that still stands today. I can't preach anymore until I get a better response. That still stands today. Jesus, I'm starting to really feel like I'm just preaching revival somewhere. <laughs> that may not be good for y'all. Uh, can I tell you, just because you're educated doesn't mean you can touch the anointed. Just because you have talent doesn't mean you can touch the anointed. If God has anointed him, keep your hands off the man of God. Keep your tongue off the man of God. Don't talk about him on the internet. Don't talk about him on Instagram. Leave him alone. David could not because he was forbidden. Here's what the Holy Ghost spoke to me when I opened the letter to preach today. We cannot touch our enemy either. Tangibly. You understand? Physically, we cannot touch our enemy. Our enemies are not flesh and blood. We don't fight other religions. We just preach truth. By the way, we just tell you they're wrong and we're right and then we move on. We don't fight them. We don't fight other groups. Our battle is in the spirit. Here it is. Here's my message. Our battle today, right now, in this building, our battle is Satan, sin, spirits, and sickness. And we're going to deal with every one of them. And still get out to go eat a good lunch. <laughs> Because it ain't going to take the Holy Ghost long. No. I said it ain't going to take the Holy Ghost long to deliver you from that spirit that's been after you. It ain't going to take you long to say, God, I'm tired of sin. I'm tired of being a hypocrite. I'm tired of watching pornography. I'm tired of living one way in the church and another way. God can't set you free today. Brother Spell, I've only been preaching seven minutes. you man I just couldn't resist ah Lord I wish I had his clock while I was preaching 
Can I tell you, when we can't touch our enemy, our only answer is to touch our God. We don't have any other alternative. We don't have any other remedy. We don't have any other, any other answer. We cannot grab that spirit by the nap of the neck and cast him out of our house. But we can touch a God that can send him out of our house. You know, I thought recently, everybody's protesting something. They protest McDonald's. Ungodly, unholy, full of evil spirited people protest sweet tea. See, I'm going to preach a truth up here. Come on, folks, I'm just kidding. I told you I'm just going to be myself. You know, they tell us you shouldn't drink Cokes and, and, and you shouldn't eat meat. My father-in-law and, and my pastor and our family went to Washington, D.C. several years ago. And uh, we went to a certain place and we went right into the middle of a protest. I mean the nation's capital, Washington, D.C. They were holding up signs, don't wear fur, don't wear fur, don't wear fur, whatever else. They were protesting. I didn't have a problem with that because I don't wear fur. But I decided that for this service today, for all of you, I'm going to be a protester. Can I get a chair? I am going to protest some things today. Thank you, brother. I am going to protest dead church. I'm against it. I hate it. God hates it. I protest empty prayer rooms. I protest empty altars. I protest no water in the baptistry. Come on now. Can I preach to you a little while? We don't have time for dead church. We don't have time for dead sermons. We don't have time for dead singing. We don't have time for dead praying. We got to have a revival. Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout hallelujah. Shout hallelujah. Now don't you just come to summon and shout. Shout it home. Serious, you can be seen. You know why I'm protesting dead church? Because when you can't touch your enemy, the only hope you have is to touch him. 
if there's not an atmosphere in our apostolic churches to touch God, we are in trouble. I'm protesting pretty Pentecost. I'm protesting a spirit that is moving among some people that say we need to change who we are to reach certain people. Can I tell you this was good enough to reach you? It's good enough to reach anybody. folks I'm not trying to push your buttons we gotta have a move of God we gotta have a real move of God we gotta have a genuine move of God you can be seated I'm gonna hurry I found a very powerful scripture in the book of Job very powerful to me. Job 14. I'm just going to mention it and move on. The Bible said, Job 14, I think around verse 7. The Bible said there is hope of a tree. There's hope. Now this is in the book. There is hope of a tree. If it be cut down, the stalk is, is destroyed. I mean, he paints a bleak. Boy, I feel the Holy Ghost on me. He paints a bleak picture. There ain't nobody coming to your church. Brother Erskine just told me, home missions, they preach my missionaries, so I'm going to preach to them for a minute. That's where, that's where I was 22 years ago. That tree was cut down. There wasn't a tree. <laughs> it was old. I mean, it didn't look good. It was rough. And, I, and, and by the way, I don't feel like I can preach to these missionaries. I really don't. But since I'm up here, I'll go ahead. <laughs> the Bible said if a tree be cut down and, and the stalk thereof wax hold in the earth, there is still, that's what the Bible said, there is still hope. If that root can catch the scent of water, You know why I'm truly, I'm telling you from my gizzard, wherever that is, why I hate dead church? Because there's no scent of water in dead church. There's no scent of water in canned sermons. There's no scent of water in empty prayer rooms, Brother Adam. When sinners walk in your church, they ought to be able to, if 
feel and sense and smell. There's some water here. There's some living water here. There's something real in this place. Come on, we got to touch God in our services. We got to touch God in our altars. We got to touch God in our prayer rooms. We got to touch him. We got to touch him because we can't touch our enemy. In this text, in this chapter, Psalms 118, check me out, David speaks of God 30 times in 29 verses. 30 times in 29 verses, David mentions God or the Lord. 30 times in 29 verses, David got a revelation I cannot touch my enemy. I can't reach him. I'm forbidden to, but I can focus on my God. Somebody said, you apostolics, talk too much about Jesus. You sing too much about Jesus. You preach too much about Jesus. Have a time one of you preachers get up, even to testify at a summit conference, you gotta mention Jesus. I'm telling you the answer is still to talk about him, to sing about him, to love him, to preach about him. Our message is Jesus. Our message is Jesus. Our message is not rehab. Our message is not getting better over time. But our message is, if any man be in Christ, he can make you a new creature. Sing about him. Sing about him, preach about him, talk about him all over town, shout about him, pray to him. There's nobody like Jesus. Now, Brother Erskine's going to help me here in just a second. Be seated. David, I want you to get the picture. David is running from Saul, he's anointed just like you are. He's appointed just like you are. And there's an enemy pursuing him. There's an enemy trying to keep him out of his rightful God-called place. And David pauses, Brother Erskine, while he's running from Saul. Now get the picture. He's running from Saul. You know the story. He chases him from this place to that place, from that cave to that cave. He's running. He's moving. He's trying to outrun his enemy. When he pauses to declare his destiny, I pray to God that before Bishop Wilson gets through with his masterpiece tonight, that this whole congregation stands straight and tall and pauses in the face of your enemy to declare your destiny. For 17... I shall not die, but live. Stop. He's running from his enemy. He's trying to outrun that thing that's trying to kill him. Exactly where some of us are today. 
He's trying to outrun him, trying to hide from him. And then he pauses long enough to say, I shall not die. You home missionaries every once in a while just ought to scream it in the face of your adversary. I shall not die. I shall not leave this city in defeat. I shall not leave this revival in defeat. I shall not leave this Sunday school class in defeat. I shall not leave this bus route in defeat. I shall not die, but I shall live. I want everybody to stand to your feet. We ain't through yet. Jump to your feet and shout that in the face of your adversary. Come on, shout it, shout it, shout it. Throw your hands up and say, devil, I shall not die. I shall not backslide. I shall not quit, but I shall live. Praise him right now, somebody. Come on, praise him, praise him. Praise him with all your heart. Praise him with all your heart. This spirit's not going to kill me. Sickness is not going to kill me. Satan is not going to kill me. Be seated and I'm almost through. I shall not die. But I shall live. Oh, I hope that somebody gets a hold of that spirit of David today. You may be pursuing me today. You may be after me today. You may be hot on my trail. You may have followed me up the mountain. But when I go back down, I'm going to be singing a new song. See, I'm preaching when you can't touch your enemy. You can't touch your God. I have heard Let's back up from the story that I read from while Saul was chasing David. And let's go back to the first time we heard it mentioned some in this meeting where David faced Goliath. Now listen to me. David faced Goliath. And I've heard since I was 11, been in the church, I've heard many, many preachers preach about those five smooth stones. We all, whether it was J-E-S-U-S, Oh, whether he knew Goliath had four brothers. I don't think he knew it was J-E-S-U-S because the name hadn't been revealed. I don't even think he knew Goliath had four brothers because when he walked out there, he said, who's this? He didn't know he had four brothers. I think Elder Booker said it best one time when I heard him preach about it. He said, you want to know why David got five smooth stones? Sorry, Brother Booker, I want to borrow this. Thank you. All right. He said, you know what? He got five smooth stones because he said, today, 
there's going to be one dead giant. And if I don't get him with the first one, I'll throw another one. If I don't get him with the second one, I'll throw another one. Shout hallelujah. Shout hallelujah. We're fixing to wrap it up. But I, I personally don't remember anybody preaching where David went to get the five smooth stones. I know all you great men, y'all preached this for years. But I just wasn't there when you did. The Bible said that David went to a brook. For Samuel 17, read it. He went to a brook and he got five smooth stones. You know what a brook is? The definition of a brook biblically, I'm just going to quote to you the Bible dictionary, a flowing stream of water. Did y'all hear that? A flowing, flowing, flowing stream of water. I got interested in that, Brother Erskine, so I got to looking it up, and I found out that in 1 Samuel 17, God told Elijah to go hide by a brook, a flowing stream of water. Then I found out in 1 Kings 18 that Elijah, Brother Tim, he killed the false prophets of Baal at a stream of water, a brook, a flowing stream. I got really interested in that. And then I found out that the writer of Psalms 46 said there is a river. The streams whereof make the city of God glad. So in the Old Testament, they found weapons in a flow. They found a hiding place in a flow. False doctrine had to bow at the feet of truth in a flow. And I also found out that there is gladness in a flow. I don't have to take your time to preach to you what I'm preaching about is a flow of that new water from God I am telling us today it has been a burden on my heart we cannot do it better than God we cannot figure it out better than God we cannot come up with a good enough program. We've got to have a flow. We've got to have a flow. There's got to be a move of God. Do you know the only difference between a swamp and a river? The only difference between a swamp and a river, two things, boundaries and a flow. 
Now I realize that I could be crucifying myself today. So I'm going to provide you the hammer and the nails because I believe what I'm preaching. I have preached in some places where all they focused on are the boundaries. Elder, am I all right? Okay. All right. Thank you. I'm telling you, we got to have boundaries. Now don't get nervous because I ain't nervous. I know what I've been taught and I know what I believe. I said we got to have boundaries. Right now is where I need some of my friends to help me. Y'all said you're going to help me. We got to have boundaries. But for God's sake, we've got to have a flow. We've got to have a flow. We're going to preach one God till we die. We're going to preach John 3, 5 till we die. We're going to preach Deuteronomy 22, 5 till we die. We're going to preach 1 Corinthians 11 till we die. But we're also going to preach a move of the Holy Ghost. and shout clap your hands and shout unto God thank you meet me and I'll take you to dinner after church be seated just a moment Three or four minutes and I'm done, I promise. But I got to tell you, last night we didn't go out to eat. Went back to my room. After a while, and early this morning, I was up praying. I'm not saying that for any reason. I'm just making a point. God laid something on my heart and I just wrote it down. Now, now please, please don't, 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 don't judge me, please. But I noticed on the day of Pentecost... When God started his church, there were two things he had. When God started his church, there were two things he had. And if you're starting the church today, you've got to have these two things. And if you're doing anything for God, you've got to have these two things. You check me out. Two things God had on the day of Pentecost. He had an outpour and he had preaching. I said he had an outpour and he had preaching. Now I want to tell you something. I love the choirs. I love all the modern things we have. I love it. I thank God for it. I enjoy it. But the truth is, you can have a revival without it. Brother Erskine didn't have a choir when he went to Newport, but he had an outpouring and he preached. Bishop Godair didn't have a choir in Durham. Hallelujah. Brother Kenny Godair and many, many other men here didn't have a choir. I'm 
not preaching against your choir. I'm just trying to encourage some home missionary. Don't focus on what you don't have. Don't focus on what you don't have. Focus on I've got what God had when he started his church. I've got a promise that where two or three are gathered together, there I will be in the midst of them. And if I can say anything to any preacher, I don't feel qualified, but I'll do it. We need to preach. We don't need to lecture. We need to preach. We don't need to analyze people in the pulpit. We need to preach about a hell. Preach about a sin. Preach about a false doctrine. Preach, preach, preach. I'm through, Stan. Please. Matthew 9 in the book of Mark the book of Luke you can read the same story about the woman with the issue of blood we all preached about it the Bible said in Matthew 9 27 that she said if I can but touch see I'm preaching when you can't touch your enemy you can touch your God. She said, I got an issue. I got an issue and the only hope I got is to touch. Now listen, All the only hope I have is to touch the Him. It's in there, Matthew 9, 27. The H-E-M. I've got to touch the hem. The Bible said, the heavens are his throne and the earth is his footstool. And while God is doing whatever he does in the universe, the hem, the H-I-M, his garment has touched the earth. Not the H-E-M, but the H-I-M. For God was manifested in the flesh. And your answer was her answer, and her answer is our answer. We've got to touch the Him. I want everybody to raise your hands. And I want you to lift your voice. Lift your hands. Hey, David. When you can't touch your enemy, you can touch your God. Reach out to him right now. Somebody that needs a touch of the Holy Ghost before you leave. Reach out, reach out, reach out, reach out. 
I need something from God today. I need a touch of God today. You got to touch him. Now, listen. I talked to Bishop Wilson last night. Told him a couple of things I was feeling. And he said, obey God. I thought, do whatever. We ain't going to be here long, but for months, for months. I have felt this every time I prayed about this service. First of all, first of all, I want all the home missionaries to come as close as you can. to the, And your children, please. And your children, quickly. Please, thank you. Come up here quickly, all the home missionaries and their children. We're going to touch God for these home missionaries today. If you've never been there, you don't know how lonely it can be. If you've never been there, you don't know how hopeless you can feel sometimes. They need the support of a mighty congregation to pray for them. I want our leaders... Brother Erskine, executive council, whatever, however you want to do this. Brother Erskine, you tell them, I want men of God to come. Come, come close, home missionaries, close. Please. Thank you. Thank you. I would like for men of God, whoever, Brother Erskine, Bishop Wilson, whoever they want, I want men of God to come. I want you to lay hands on these, and I want you to stretch your hands in the congregation. Stretch your hands toward these precious men and women, children. Would you do it? Come on, church. Come on, church. They're going to sing a little chorus right now. Let it rain. Let it rain. Come on. Come on. Let's, let's come on. We're going to take just a few minutes. We're going to take just a few minutes. Stretch your hands.